0: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I I just think they answered the bell again. You know, they came back after all those games and uh, they stayed together as a team, played hard today and won. Hopefully uh, we just keep that going, but I'm really proud of them for that because that's not easy for anybody, especially young people.
1: Um, This is big. This is one of those, you knock the dust off and now you can get back to being the program that you've always been known to be. I feel like we, we were just in the hole. Uh, that's, that's how I describe it. We were in the hole and we kept digging ourselves deeper and deeper and now we finally found a way to get out of this hole and get back to the top. So now I feel like this win right here will open up the doors for us to finish the season just on a good note. Of- it's been a tough season for us, but uh, you know, it's it's, it's a great feeling to have a crowd come to uh, Minnesota and just been able to, you know, have that support, have that system just, you know, follow us here. And um, you know, it was a great feeling just, you know, seeing those fans stay up and uh, cheer us out to feel. And about 10 to 15,000 Nebraska fans traveled to Minneapolis this weekend to watch the Huskers triumph over the Gophers 48-25. It was a much needed win to get this season going and and potentially turned around. Welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed and Dan Hoppen and Nebraska gets it done on the road. You heard Mike Riley um, talk about the consistency, Jonathan Rose talking about this being a turning point and then Tommy Armstrong thanking the fans for their support. Because honestly, guys, there there aren't a lot of teams in America, Robin, where you're going to get ten to 15,000 fans traveling um, six, seven hours to watch a two-and-four football team.
2: Yeah, it's pretty unreal. I mean, as long as we've been doing this, it's still a surprise to see uh, the amount of red that turns up in opposing stadiums. And that scene uh, as Nebraska was leaving – uh, Minnesota's field and the go big red chance echoing through the stadium is, is it's it's hard not to get chills I mean when, when you see that type of uh, fan support and uh, you know I think it's one of those things that kind of uh, uh, refreshes just how special these players and coaches have with uh, you know the fan base that gives them that support I agree Robin I, I think you documented it I know you put it on Facebook maybe
3: on Twitter too of just the, of the short video of Mike Riley leaving the field I think that's huge for a team like this I mean a team that's two and four they're kind of beat up Mentally, they finally break through and get that victory, and then to go off the field and have all the fans, you know, chanting their names and giving them high fives and stuff. I think just mentally, that gives you a little bit of a boost. And what has been, you know, to this point, it's looking up, but to this point, it's kind of been, you know, a downer of a season.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is, but the road fans, it just has such a different feel because Mm -hmm. people feel, I don't know, special when they win, and, and like they feel like they played a part in it almost when when Nebraska wins on the road and the fans that come on the road maybe don't get to see Nebraska play in Lincoln as much cuz they might live in different parts of the country but those when it's 10 to 15,000 it's it's usually a pretty good 10 to 15,000.
3: Well yeah. and I also think usually if you got fans that are traveling, you know, like you said 6 or 7 hours to a game, those are the hardcore fans. Those aren't the you know the fans, The corporate fans yeah they're not the armchair quarterback fans necessarily who are you know going to complain about every passing attempt that Danny Langsdorf calls up they're actually going to you know look at the game a little bit smarter and and uh and appreciate what they're watching instead of just complaining about
2: everything. My guess is too, they're not yelling at each other to sit down during (laughs) third down place. Probably
1: not. (laughs) You're listening here to the Husker online show, Nebraska three and four Northwestern comes to town on Saturday. It's an 11am kickoff on ESPN two. And you know, this is a different Northwestern team uh, they started out the year five and zero, had a huge game with Michigan, a top fifteen matchup, and give up an opening kickoff return in that game, and and they haven't been the same. I mean, they've been outscored seventy eight to ten the last two weeks. When you look at Northwestern and and what's happened to this team, I mean, they have that huge win over Stanford, a very quality win over Duke, they shut out Minnesota twenty seven to yeah. nothing. Um, so they've they've got those three wins. Uh, but all of a sudden now, Robin, they're they're kind of back to, you know, maybe where the expectations were. I think if anybody would have said Pat Fitzgerald would have this team five and two most would have been like, that's a good start. But I don't think people would have expected them to be 5-0, and then lose these two in a row in the fashion they've lost them.
2: Right, and it's, you know, unfortunately kind of the story of Northwestern football under Pat Fitzgerald. You know, why, right when you think they're at the breaking point of uh, really taking that next step as a program, they have setbacks like this that kind of bring them back down to earth. But, uh, you know, in spite of these two, uh, you know, obviously blowout losses that they've suffered, they're still a, a pretty stout, team on both sides Good of the defense. ball yeah their defense is ranked in the top 20 and i don't know about Eight, seven or eight different defensive categories uh, including uh, you know total defense scoring defense passing defense pass efficiency defense red zone defense defensive touchdowns and third down defense so uh, this is an extremely you know difficult challenge that should not be overlooked despite how they played over the past two weeks and uh, you know talking to Danny Langsdorf earlier this week he said they're not even really looking at these last two games uh, from the film all that much what they're looking at is how they played against Stanford when they held the Cardinal to six points and you know about 250 yards of total offense
1: and they've got a running back dan justin jackson that gave nebraska some problems Uh, a new quarterback a redshirt freshman named clayton thorson not a big passer i don't think he's even had a game of over 150 yards passing uh the key in my opinion this week is nebraska needs to get a little bit of a lead on these guys put the pressure on this clayton thorson and, and almost don't let Justin Jackson be a factor in this game.
3: Absolutely. The longer that you let Northwestern hang around and let them think that they have a chance, the more dangerous they're going to be. I think that this is a team, you know, even with Pat Fitzgerald as their coach, that is hurting a little bit mentally right now. They've gotten blasted the last two weeks, and it, it's a team with a true freshman quarterback, or maybe he's a retro freshman. Retro freshman he's a retro yeah. freshman quarterback. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, and they've really struggled offensively. So if you can get them down 14 nothing, 21 nothing. I think that, you know, you have a chance to put the nail in the coffin on, on them early because they're mentally just I, – I don't know if they're going to be able to come back from something like that.
1: And we saw it last week. I think the key for everything is the start offensively for Nebraska. I, I think that sparks everything. You, you get that Terrell Newby run. Nebraska's down 7 nothing. The secondary gave up three third down plays last week at Minnesota and everyone's saying, here we go again, yep. secondary problems. Nebraska, let's see how their offense plays on the road against a quality gopher defense. And they march down, they get a 69-yard uh, play, but then they follow that up with a Demorne pearson pump return. Now, they didn't get points off that, but what was key, the defense on the ensuing possession forced a turnover. And I, I just think the way that game started um, was what was different. We just haven't seen Nebraska start a game like that On both sides of the ball against a quality opponent
2: yeah it was really the first time in a long time maybe all this season that all three aspects of the game clicked on all cylinders and uh you know to take it back to basketball a little bit I kind of liken it to a you know a, a, a shooter that's gone cold and you know is missing every shot he takes and for whatever reason just can't find his rhythm well once you see one go in All of a sudden, that gets the confidence back, gets the rhythm back, and all of a sudden it changes your entire game. Well, I think that might have happened for this team. I mean, uh, like again, after two straight disappointing uh, performances to start Big Ten play, they were able to put it all together and get a huge win on the road. And, you know, maybe this is kind of that that thing that gets the the ball rolling a little bit and is able to get this team to, you know, get to its full potential.
1: The question is, Dan, will this be the Bo Pelini win out moment, the Bill Callahan restore the order t shirt moment for this team, (laughs) where, you know, they they get it turned around because I mean people we everybody has the tendency to get a little too excited about maybe mm-hmm. one moment and and that's the question can they sustain they've got two winnable games here they're going to be favorites over Northwestern and Purdue. If they can get to five and four, all of a sudden that Michigan State game takes on a different life.
3: Well, yeah, I, I think you brought the great point It's just that there's an opportunity here to put together a nice little winning streak, and and like you said, I think the positive vibes will be flowing. Everybody will be, you know, feeling good again. But then November hits, and you've got home dates with Michigan State. And Iowa, those are going to be the really big ones, I think. You know, two of the better teams at least right now. An 11 Iowa team conference. could be coming into Lincoln. Yeah, Nebraska. I imagine that the day after Thanksgiving, Nebraska could have a chance to, you know, end Iowa's winning streak. I, I don't know. You know, they're they're not going to go to the playoff or anything like that. But if Nebraska, well, if, would have Iowa, a
1: chance, if Iowa wins the. Uh, Big 10 and goes 12-0. and 0, Yeah, that's 0, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> They're not beating Ohio State. They get a chance is the key. They would at I mean, least have a chance. They have a but, chance.
3: But, yeah, I think that that stadium would just be raucous. But going back to the original point, you know, they've got a shot to build a little winning streak here, build a little momentum. I'm still not sure, you know, just based off this one game, that I would take them over Michigan State or Iowa. But, you know – they looked really good against Minnesota. That was a team I thought we'd see all year. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm excited. I'm intrigued for Saturday. I'm intrigued, intrigued for Purdue um, just to see if this can continue because you can just sense the confidence growing. When we come back, we'll talk more about the offense, about Tommy Armstrong, and about Demorne Pearsonell and what he brought to the table. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Oh, I got revenge. Yeah, a little revenge. Oh,
4: absolutely. I mean, I had a year's frustration worth. Going uh, saving up for that game, and it had just so happened to be on the same guy. So I mean, uh, it was a big relief for me. And uh, he talked to me about it a little bit after, and we talked to the, we talked after the game about it. Um, but I mean, it's it's, it's a big yeah. r- relief for me. I, I got my rent, so I'm good.
2: Yeah, we we <laughs> half the practice we've been I've been waiting for a chance for him to
3: finally do my drill. Uh, no, we've never done that. And actually, I would
0: hope he, that he doesn't have to catch one like that anymore. But I'm glad he caught that one.
1: And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and Dan Hoppen, as you heard, Demorne Pearsonell and wide receivers coach Keith Williams there talking um, about the catch there that Demorne made, and in a lot of ways, it was a revenge game for Demorne. And, and I talked to him about that on Monday, you know, because you go back to last year, he had the fumble before halftime that took away at least a field goal, and that would have been potentially a knockout blow. Nebraska was up, was it twenty-one to three? At that point, um, are 24-3 to in that game in Lincoln last year, and you go up 24-3 at that point, it, it's over. And um, they they fumble, and Minnesota got the momentum. And then at the end of that game last year, Pearson has a chance to potentially get the game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. And he fumbles going in. And Brian uh, Bodie Calhoun forced the fumble. Well, DeMornay caught that ball where he tipped it to himself. Keith Williams joked that, hey, we practice that all the time, but obviously that's just an athlete making a play. And that's what Saturday was really all about, Robin, athletes making plays. Jordan Westerkamp was making plays, Alonzo Moore, Seaton Carter, and that is the offense I think we thought we'd see from what we got to see with Nebraska this spring and August.
2: And I believe one of your keys of the game going in to, to that game was uh, get the playmakers involved. I mean, we've talked about it all week. Uh, leading up to that, you know, Jordan Westerkamp had three catches over two games. Mornay Pearson-Hell was an absolute non-factor in the offense. And, um, you know, Alonzo Moore was, you know, here and there. Well, all of a sudden, all three of those guys come up absolutely huge. Terrell Newby rushes for 100 yards. Uh, you know, it's just... Everything came together for that offense. See, the offensive line blocked well. I think he only gave up one sack. Um, you know, it was a hundred yard rusher, and then uh, you know that type of balance. You know, to get about two fifty both rushing and passing. Uh, it was it was really just a, a full circle effort that um, you know th- that. We've been mentioning already, this was the offense that I think a lot of people envisioned going into the year. And uh, they relied very heavily on the pass early on. And then, you know, the last two games before that, uh, really weren't able to do much of anything. And to finally see all of it come together, I think, was a very encouraging sign of what this, the identity of this offense could be down the road. One thing that I really kind of almost worried about coming out of that
3: Minnesota game was that people would kind of forget how good Terrell Newby was just mm-hmm. based off of all the good vibes coming from that game that Terrell's performance would kind of you know, get pushed to the side. I think that was his best game as a Husker. I know he had or 198 yards against South Alabama. That's his best game statistically. He was really good. On Saturday, he had the long touchdown run where he pretty much just had to sprint to the end zone, but he also had a couple tough runs. I thought he was decisive. We actually saw him break a couple tackles. That was a big game for him, and hopefully, that's more of what we'll get to see kind of moving forward.
1: And I feel like as this offense gets Pearson L back, you know, you've got these jet sweeps going on before the play. Um, Obviously, maybe only one out of 10 are jet sweeps, but the defense has to focus on that. Then now all of a sudden you got Andy Janovich as a guy that's not just a lead blocker. He's going to get carries, and I think all of those things have helped Terrell Newby and the running game just because defenses can't necessarily always key on the tailback. There's two other guys before a play sometimes that could get the ball.
2: Yeah, you have to have that versatility. And, you know, like like Dan said, I think Terrell uh, is really starting to come into his own. You know, even going back... To that Wisconsin game, you know, I just thought that the way he was running. I mean, he didn't get necessarily the statistics, but I thought he was running extremely hard against a tough Wisconsin defense, and then that carried over against Minnesota. And so, we're, you're finally starting to see him become, you know, that that feature back guy that this coaching staff has so desperately wanted him to be all year. Uh, so, if they're able to, you know, get that type of effort out of him, you throw in Andy Janovich with the power game, and then, like you said, Pearson Pearsonell getting more and more involved, uh, not only as a receiver but as a rusher. This offense has a whole bunch 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 of different looks that can really keep defenses off uh, balance
1: you're listening here to the husker online show as we talk offensive storylines coming out of minnesota heading into saturday's game 11 a.m against northwestern and i it just when you look at um the other thing dan was penalties nebraska only had one team penalty and that was the holding on Terrell newby the other penalty was when a graduate assistant bumped into a referee on a big play where everybody was celebrating and they flagged him 15 yards uh, for bumping into the referee on accident. So as far as clean games that stood out and then, you know, points on the board, I, I didn't realize this, but I think somebody told me that was the most points Nebraska's scored in a big 10 game um, oh, wow. since they've joined the league in five years. And that somewhat makes sense because big 10 games are points are at a premium teams tend to grind it out more. Uh, I don't know that for 100% fact, but 48 or whatever it was, that I mean, that's a lot of points for a Big Ten game.
3: Well, just, yeah, just thinking off the top of my head right now, I can't think of any better performances Nebraska's had. And obviously getting the pick six at the end helps a little bit. But, uh, yeah, th- this was easily Nebraska's most complete game. You mentioned the penalties. That's something that's been a major bugaboo for Nebraska. And it wasn't Saturday. They played very clean. And you look at the result. I mean, that's kind of what you come to expect from a disciplined team. You're listening here to the Husker
1: Online Show. as We talk offense. Um, a couple injury things to watch this week. Nick Gates has been practicing. Uh, I think Zach Stirrup still is going to be the starter um, at, at right tackle, but that's coming along. But the surprise of the week was David Sutton, and, and we're going to talk more about him in our Stock Watch segment. But uh he's back, and, and that that's great to see. All of a sudden when you win a game, everybody starts to feel better yeah. on Monday morning. <laughs> how and, that works. Uh, wants to be a part of it. But uh, they are getting healthier. The injuries on the offense – haven't really been the issue. I think the injuries have been the issue with with the defense. Uh, But yeah, everything just seems to be clicking right now.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And good to your point about Gates. Yeah, Langsdorf said they're basically just easing him in right now. uh, Doing real limited work. So yeah, I think Zach Stirp will be the starter again for a second week in a row uh, at that right tackle spot, and uh, you know I'll, I'll let Dan talk more about Sutton just because he he was the one you on know that interview. But uh, to your point on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, they're, they're starting to get some guys back. I mean, Freedom Macamolandu is back. Uh, it looks like he's going to be ready to play. Kevin Williams has been practicing all week. Michael Rose Ivy has been practicing all week, and uh, really uh, Daniel Davy is back. And so the only guys that have really kind of ruled out right now are uh, you know Chris Weber and um, you know maybe, Luke Gifford. Yeah, Luke Gifford. So uh, uh, things are you know starting to actually. Switch up in Nebraska's favor on the injury front, which is a relief, I'm sure, to a lot of fans. And David Sutton, I mean, you know,
3: he's not a guy who's going to come in and catch three or four passes on Saturday. I think he's going to be used in a pretty limited role. And when he is in there, it's going to be, he said, probably more in a short yardage blocking mm-hmm. type of role. But it's just nice to have more depth there because that's a position Nebraska doesn't have a lot of depth at. And I know this guy is one who's been back for a few weeks, but just keep watching Demorne Pearson. I mean, every week that he's out there, he's another week more healthy. He's another week you know, more familiar and integrated in this offense. And I think you've seen his numbers increase week after week. That's just going to continue.
1: Well, just the efficiency overall in general for the whole offense. They had 11 possessions yep. in that game, and nine of the 11 were touchdowns or field goal tries. Two punts for Sam Fultz, no turnovers. And I think seven of the first eight, Dan, were were field goal or touchdowns. Um, Pretty incredible. So, in Minnesota, is a team that limits your possessions. They want to grind it out, and um, what they did was hard to do. It was the most points a Jerry Kale team has given up since his first year there, and and they were god-awful that first year when Tim Brewster left him nobody on that team, and um, obviously, he's done a hell of a job in Minneapolis getting that team going. But uh, we'll shift the conversation over to defense next as uh, Nebraska put together a very solid game up front. Obviously, still some questions, though, with the secondary going forward. We'll give you our thoughts on all that next Here, You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think that just like in previous weeks, we've we've continued to grow. We're getting better at what we do. Our D-line had a hell of a game and we made
3: strides in the secondary. We had some guys really step up and play well, especially interior D-line did an excellent job and I think as a whole, we grew. It was awesome to just be able to
1: sit on the sideline and just kind of watch them work and. You know, kind of rest your legs a little bit. I think I played something like 60 snaps where, where last week I know Vince Valentine played 90. It was just more of a complete game and it, it felt nice to just kind of get a sit and watch, you know, watch my offense work. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin watchhead and Dan Hoppen, as we talked defense. And it was kind of a, for the most part, an easy day at the offense uh, for Nebraska's defense. There were some moments where you held your breath in that game, but... The biggest key, and and you heard Josh Banderas and Jack Gangwish there talking, but Banderas talked about just not being on the field as much. You go back to a lot of these losses, Nebraska's offense was not getting first downs in the fourth quarter. It put the defense on the field, um, and Wisconsin particularly. They were on the field, I believe, 26 plays for about 230 yards, and, and they they aren't built to do that, Robin, as Nebraska only traveled and dressed 26 defensive players on Saturday. They essentially played nine guys on the front seven, and if you're going to do that, you can't expect them to go 100 snaps.
2: Yeah, that's the formula for success for Nebraska's defense. I mean, they cannot be asked to be on the field that long, uh, especially as long as they were against Illinois and Wisconsin. I mean, it's like you said, just from a depth standpoint, they, they physically – are not built for that right now. And so uh, a lot of Nebraska's defensive success is going to be put on the offense to keep the opposing offense off the field, run clock, and uh, give those uh, defensive guys a breather. So as long as they're able to stay fresh and not asked to carry that big of a workload, we see how good they can be.
1: And Dan, when you look at this defensive scheme that Mark Banker has comprised and and you did a piece on this, it really is built to stop the run. And I, I know people are nervous about the secondary play. Uh, but I, I think it's built for the league. It's built for this conference to, to shut down what people in this league want to do. And that's run the football. And I, I, somebody on the Red Sea Scrolls had a joke this week, you know, Bo Pelini was always dropping seven in coverage, never playing eight against the run. And, and um, he liked to stop the pass. Well, we saw how that worked against some of these big 10 running teams like Wisconsin and Minnesota
3: the last couple of years. Yeah. It, it didn't end up pretty. Uh, yeah. Nebraska they're, they're only giving up 91 rushing yards per game. That's seventh in the country. Here's a stat I love, though. 119 of uh, of opponents' 198 runs this year have gone for three yards or less. That's 60%. That's a huge number for Nebraska. So that means opponent rushing attacks are not consistently able to churn out yards. When they're trying to run up the middle, they're running into Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine and Greg McBullen, and they're not having much success doing it. Now, you know, then we might see some more teams turn to what Minnesota did on Saturday where they were essentially using the passing game as an extension of the run, throwing those swing passes to K.J. May, and that had a lot of success early on. I think Mitch Leidner started 16 for 17, but you saw as that game went on that it didn't, you know, that wasn't able to be sustained, and Nebraska kind of uh, turned up the heat a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at just the success of, of the defense. I mean, it, it It does, that is the strength. And when they put this thing together, they looked at Malik Collins, they looked at Vincent Valentine, they looked at Jack Gangwish and, and and what some of these guys do. And stopping the run it, it fit the strength. Josh Banderas, Michael Rose Ivy. And I, I know people want it all, but you can't have it all. I mean, you can't be a defense. It just shuts down everything. Very few defenses can just dominate in all phases. And I, I think Mark Banker is going to continue to play those odds, that he wants quarterbacks to beat them with throws because those are not as high of a percentage of a play.
2: Well, yeah, especially in the Big Ten, too. And, again, I think that this is going to be a situation where that pass defense uh, will continue to get better as they get more comfortable with the scheme. I mean, how much did we hear about – uh, you know, especially Nate Geary earlier this week, you know, talking about how in the beginning of the season he was just pretty unsure of what exactly he was supposed to be doing just because the concepts in this new scheme, especially for the safeties, are almost a direct opposite of what Bo Polini's system was asking them to do. And so, I mean, this is a complete 180 turn uh, for this secondary in terms of coverage responsibilities and how they're supposed to react to certain situations. And so as they continue to get more comfortable, you're starting to see the results play out on the field
3: and freedom might be back this weekend he's the best pass yes. rusher that's huge
1: yeah just the depth in general I mean I, hopefully you're, you're not going to have to see Greg McMullen playing as much defensive tackle um, I mean they have just like Mark Banker gave a money quote after the game he goes we're a skeleton crew but we have the right bones and, and, and that's <laughs> that that's is a, a great quote that's about what they are right now they 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 don't have the numbers but they have the right seven or eight guys, thankfully. I mean, that Malik Collins has stayed healthy and Gangwish is back. And, I mean, imagine if Gangwish was not back yet. I mean, they'd, mm-hmm. they'd be in a mess of trouble at defensive end and defensive line. But, uh, brick by brick, they're getting healthier. And, and we should see, as you mentioned, Freedom Akamolidum back, Kevin Williams potentially back, uh, Michael rose Ivy, hopefully, will be back. I mean, there's a number of guys that can be back out there this week, and that should make a difference, Dan.
3: Mm-hmm. And Kevin Maurice in the coming weeks as well. Yeah. You know, Maybe not this weekend, but in the coming weeks, he was playing well too. So, yeah, Nebraska's just been so wounded up front, but um, they've found a way to make it work. And I think Trent Bray just deserves a world of credit for what he's been able to do with that linebacker position. They've just been – They've had a different starting lineup I think if not every week, almost every week and he's just kept that position churning out uh, Josh Banderas returned I think he arguably had, you know, maybe that bowl game last year, one of the best games of his career. You got to give him credit. Well, and they
1: said after the game uh, or this week Mike Riley said the defense is set up for the Mike Riley, the Mike linebacker to be not only the leading tackler on the team, but he goes he should be one of the leading tacklers in the conference yep. with the
2: way it all filters to the middle. Look at Chris Weber. I mean, the guy came out of nowhere and ended up getting darn near 40 tackles in his three games. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we're starting to see that. in Josh Banderas, man, if he can just stay on the field, uh, he could put up some serious tackle numbers.
1: And it'll be interesting with Daniel Davey if he gets back in the game uh, because I don't expect him to be tested kind of like what he saw in the non-conference games. I mean, if, he, if he's able to give them run support and, and do the things they need, especially in a game like Saturday against Northwestern, I would like to see Daniel Davy. I think going into the year, he was your best corner, and I just hate to see him completely out of the equation. Hopefully, and we haven't talked to Brian Stewart in a few weeks, uh, so it's hard to know what what his thinking is with a guy like Davy going forward.
3: Well, and Jonathan Rose certainly has not taken that position in – run away with it by any means he made a
1: couple good tackles in the open field saturday but it's he
3: a, did but he gives up a lot of catches I, you know i, I think josh clue probably feels pretty safe in his spot i've i've liked what limited you chris know jones. reps are seeing out of chris jones but I, you know if daniel Davy were able to come back and impress you know there, there's a chance he could take that spot back from jonathan rose
1: and there's going to be some big physical games coming up against iowa and michigan state and um i don't even want to think about the Carew guy from Rutgers I mean that's yeah. going to be a you know I think the timing of that game is huge for Nebraska's defense though so, uh North uh, Rutgers plays Michigan Michigan State and Ohio State like three consecutive weeks before Nebraska yeah. um so they're going to have Rutgers when everyone's fired and beat up and tired and I mean I, I, I'm guessing that that coach will be fired this year at Rutgers <laughs> you,
2: Flood. you would think so it's kind of been a Disaster. Up so, there, so
1: I think they're going to get that game at least at the right time. Uh, Rutgers did come back and beat Indiana last week, but um, it sets up nice. I, they just need to get guys healthy um, for this final stretch. And man, the bye week doesn't come oh, until after the 11th game, so it's it's been tough because if you could have slid a bye week in now, it'd make all the difference. Yeah,
2: and, and back to your point about you know the receivers they're going to be facing outside of Leonte Carew of Rutgers and. Michigan uh, maybe a couple, a couple guys from Michigan State. They're not going to see nearly the caliber of uh, wideouts that Davey was being asked to cover in, in the first few weeks of the season. So uh, there's certainly an opportunity for him to to get some confidence back because I think that's the number one deal with him. I mean, his his head was just completely taken out of it uh, with the, the way he was struggling early on. And uh, again, he was the starter, the number one corner coming out of fall camp. So obviously they believe in him and his abilities, and uh, he's just got to kind of get his mind right and go out there and play like it.
1: We'll move on here, guys, and uh, we'll talk stock watch next here. What players are trending up? What players are trending down? That's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
4: It was, it was just a really tough deal, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, I still have some sour grapes, personally, uh, just because I don't think that it was a clean hit. But I mean, I did not hear from any BYU players, which, uh, I mean, that's, that doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a tough deal. Obviously, I've put in a lot of work, and this is something. I mean, my senior year, it was finally a chance for me to uh, show what I could do. At least it wasn't the season, so I mean, I'm back here, and I'll definitely be back on the field.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin at Nate Klaus, and Dan Hoppen. We welcome Nate Klaus to the show after a week of traveling in Sioux Falls to see uh, Matt Farniak play. But um, let's talk stock watch first. That was tight end David Sutton, about as classy and well-spoken of a guy as you're going to get. I mean, just handles himself like a professional, almost like a coach when you interview him. And um, we asked him this week about coming back. And and really, a, a great, great story, Dan. Um, somebody they, you and I both talked to on Tuesday but he starts stock up uh, what this kid has been through, took a cheap shot. You know, BYU player didn't even no, – no one from BYU even called and apologized or anything, which is not a surprise. But you would think some Christ, a Christian-based school of guys like BYU mm-hmm. would maybe say, hey, we're sorry about that hit, and you're out for 10 weeks.
3: Well, and you watch that hit. There's no defending it. it. It was an overthrown ball by Tommy Armstrong that is, A, way over David Sutton's head, and, B, it's well past him when the hit comes. And the guy just dives right at his leg. So I thought David Sutton was very classy when we asked him about it. You know, he he didn't criticize BYU too much, but he was very clear that he was not a fan of that shot that cost him, you know, more than half of his senior season. Let's go stock up Robin Washett. What do you
2: have? I'm going to go safety Nate Geary. Uh, You know, this is a a guy that was kind of the linchpin of this defense early on in the year and for whatever reason kind of has fallen off over the previous few weeks. I know he had an illness that uh, really kind of shook him up a little bit and kind of took him out of his game, but... Uh, that Minnesota game, you know, obviously he had the interception, but he also forced Nebraska's first turnover in over 10 quarters of football uh, with that, the, that hit on the running back that Jack Gang, which was able to recover the fumble and uh, really kind of turn that game in Nebraska's favor. So he, the Nebraska needs Nate Geary to be that type of playmaker just because, you know, we've been talking, they don't really have a lot. Of playmaking uh defend, defensive players on that team. So uh the more plays he can make, the better Nebraska's off.
1: Dan, what do you have for your stock up?
2: I've got Danny Langsdorf, the offensive
3: coordinator. I thought he's done an excellent job all year, but he kind of, you know, took a little heat from Nebraska fans the last couple weeks, uh with those losses, people thinking he was passing too much. I, I thought the game that he called against Minnesota was as good as, you know, Nebraska's had it for an offensive game plan in years. I and mean, just mixing run and pass, Nebraska ran 34 running plays, 28 passing plays, he got Tommy on the move, throwing a little bit, used play action, everything about it, I thought it was excellent.
1: Maybe just the one series in the fourth quarter where he called the three passes yes. in a row, that, that yes, was the that was one kind that of kind yeah. of um, soured you a little bit, but they were able to recover, no big deal. Nate Klaus. Uh, you you were um, on the road this weekend, but obviously caught the Husker game. Uh, who, who's your stock up?
4: Stock up with Demorne Pearsonell. I mean, uh, just his uh, you know I guess reinsertion into this offense, into the special teams, just what it gives Nebraska, um, and it opens up a lot of other doors for I think the other receivers. You know, uh, Jordan Westerkamp, you know Lonzo Moore, guys like that to to uh, uh, be able to shine a little bit more too. But uh, the impact that Demorne L had returning punts, and then of course course uh, with the touchdown reception I think he accounted for 80 total yards uh, in a touchdown so uh, big impact to have him back healthy.
1: All right let's move over now to stock down for the week Dan uh, you had a pretty interesting one you've got some facts to back it up as well.
3: Well it, this one has nothing to do with talent and I think it probably has more to do with just Demorne coming back and somebody's going to lose reps but Stanley Morgan has really kind of seen his role in this offense shrink and. He almost non-existent against Minnesota. He's got five targets uh, the last three games, including none against Minnesota. In that span, just two catches for 12 yards. I mean, this is an immensely talented kid. I'd like to see him get some more opportunities, but it's just kind of a, a crowded group at receiver right now. Um, you know, if somebody's getting opportunities like Demorne is, then that's going to take away from somebody else like Stanley. And
1: moving now, Robin. Uh, two weeks ago, we thought Northwestern coming into Lincoln. I mean, this could have been a top maybe ten team, top fifteen team. Uh, but the narrative has definitely changed for the Wildcats.
2: Yeah, two weeks ago, the, the AP and coaches poll came out, and Northwestern was sitting at thirteenth and fourteenth uh, in the country at five and zero. And you know, all of a sudden, Pat Fitzgerald has this team uh, potentially going for a Big Ten championship. Since then, seventy-eight to ten, a sixty-eight point differential in losses to Michigan and Iowa, and all of a sudden Northwestern's out of the polls, and now is a dog on the road at Nebraska this week. So uh, the fall has been pretty drastic for for the Wildcats. And you know, like we were saying earlier, it's kind of been the story of the Fitzgerald era. Just just when you think that they're on the brink of really taking that next step, it all comes crashing down.
1: I'm gonna give one stock down here before we get to Nada I want to go with kick return for Nebraska. That still has been. Uh, something they have not gotten, um, and they've tried this Jordan Stevenson thing, uh, that still hasn't worked. Uh, you know, hopefully he can spring one off here, but still disappointed with what Nebraska has been able to get this year in kick return. Now, Nate, you've got one, and, and we're going to reserve a little bit more time for you because I know you, you've got a pretty passionate opinion on this one.
4: Well, stock down to the the ninety 95- five. Uh, team reunion, you know the the arguably the best team of all time in in all of college football is being uh, being honored at 11 a.m. Northwestern game. Uh, I think it's kind of disrespectful to be perfectly honest to you, um, and and not only that, they they don't even you know get a whole game to themselves. They're they're also honoring, I, I believe, the baseball team and, and one of the bowling teams too. So, um, you know, I, I think if you look at it, you you would have liked to have seen them honor this '95 team either for the Wisconsin game or for the Michigan State game, more of a marquee matchup, um, and, and maybe bring a little bit more juice to the stadium, much like it did against Miami last year, but. Uh, Nope, you're bringing in the best team of all time, uh, an 11 a.m. game against Northwestern. The only,
1: the only thing I would play if I'm Sean Iqor's, my devil's advocate would be, well, hey guys, all of you were on the '94 team too. You get, you had your big deal. Do you need to do two in a row? I don't know. I mean, I'm just it trying matter. to yes. rationalize this is the best the team ever.
2: You do need to do two in a row. No, this is well. one of the greatest teams in college football history. And they're not even doing an event for them the night before. They're doing like some makeshift, like BYOB tailgate party. Like, it, it's a complete joke. Come get your Val's pizza. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand the thinking behind this. Like, you want to honor this team and promote them as much as physically possible if you're in Nebraska. And to kind of cast them off to the side and group them with the bowling team is a joke. They should
1: just take the tunnel walk and say, we're doing this. Get out of our way and, exactly. and walk out. And I'm, I'm guessing Coach Osborne will be there, and a lot of the former coaches. That '94 one last year for the Miami game that was special with Ron Brown. Um, yeah, why
4: can't you do that again this year? Yeah, I mean that that worked so well last year, and that might I think it added so much to the Miami game. Why can't you do it again?
1: I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a I mean, great it makes question, no sense. and unfortunately we don't get the chance to ask those questions to Sean Icor. So it'd be I'd be curious to know. His reasoning for that but uh, that puts it in here to the stock watch robin dan uh see you guys saturday as uh, we get ready for an 11 a.m game dan's bringing the coffee and the donuts
2: i'm looking for this is the game that's this probably going to a- be the chili cinnamon yep. roll game so i'm always jacked up for chili <laughs> yeah. and cinnamon rolls
1: all right guys thanks uh, we come back we'll close the show with recruiting and nate klaus
0: you're listening to HuskerOnline.com. your authority on nebraska athletics Final segment here of the show,
1: Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we wrap it up with recruiting and obviously no official visitors in town last weekend because it was a road game and uh, Nate Klaus and video producer Greg Peterson, uh, like they like to do all season, they they went out and and caught a game on the road Um, and we try to do that for you on Husker Online every week, bring bring you coverage you're just not going to get anywhere else. And and Nate Klaus and Greg Peterson uh, went out to Sioux Falls to watch Matt Farniak play and and, Nate, he really is, when you look at top five kind of wish list guys, he has to be right up there as the number one for Nebraska here to close out this class.
4: And there's no question he's right at the, the top of the board because he – I mean, being in Sioux Falls, you basically have to look at him as an in-state guy. And he's a 6'5", 320-pound offensive tackle that's very athletic. And, you know, you just can't find too many players with those types of measurables and his type of ability and really his genetics. I mean, all of his entire family have played college football or will play college football. So uh, when you've got a guy like that in your backyard, uh, he's got to be right on the top of your
1: board. And when you look at kind of how it's playing out, he narrowed down a top four of Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan State and was Florida State the fourth. Florida State was the fourth, and those are the four teams. Um, you know, Nebraska has Nathan Gary from his high school here. I don't think that's going to be a factor. I think the growing concern is Iowa. Um, you know, to start the year, Iowa is kind of a mess. People didn't know what to expect with Kirk Ferentz and their program. Now, all of a sudden, they're undefeated. Kirk Ferentz was up in Sioux Falls this week on the Hawkeyes' bye week, uh, which usually coaches don't get up on the road on a bye week very often. So for them to do that. You know, they're, they're showing how important he is to them as well. They've got a better track record the last 15 years of putting NFL linemen out. So I think that is the one that I think worries you the most with Farniak.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of selling points that Iowa has going for them right now. You mentioned their good season; they have improved facilities there. Obviously, their track record of producing offensive linemen has been huge—a uh, huge selling point. And then maybe the kicker right now, at this point in time, is the fact that Iowa's already offered his little brother, Will Farniak, who's a sophomore, starts as a as a center for Sioux Falls, Washington. Uh, and there's no question he's going to be—you know—he's going to garner a lot of interest as well. So, uh, and they would like to play—you know—college football together they I mean, Matt didn't come out and say that uh, we were going to go to the same school but he made it pretty clear that hey you know it'd be pretty cool if if I could play with my brother you know in college and I think the family would kind of like that too because they've been splitting their time between Iowa State and, and Oklahoma uh, for the past several years because his oldest brother Tom uh, just graduated from Iowa State last year Derek has you know played for Oklahoma for uh, the last four or five years so uh, the family's done a lot of traveling I think they'd like to see the two boys end up at the same school. And, and Iowa threw out that early offer to, to the youngest Farniak already.
1: Now, you've been around the country. You've seen football. I, I think the hardest thing when you look at South Dakota is the competition. And, and what was your take on... Uh, I know Rapid City Stevens was not very good. Um, they, they were going against him with guys that were about 170, 180 pounds. But did you get a read on him just with the competition, or was it hard?
4: It was hard, and, and it is hard. I think uh, offensive or defensive linemen can be very difficult to to evaluate in the first place, and especially when they're playing against inferior competition. I think a lot of times those bigger guys can play down to their competition just because they they're so there's they're so much more physically gifted, uh, physically dominating uh, than their opponents that it doesn't take as much effort to to really you know do whatever they want to do so uh it can be hard at times but uh my biggest takeaways are that he has got legitimate size uh he's got great arm length uh he's a very athletic kid uh and he dominated the way you want to see you know a player of, of that caliber dominated against inferior competition there was nothing that he couldn't do uh he wasn't getting beat uh, and he was he was doing whatever it took uh, you know to, to accomplish um you know, each each play. I mean, he was, uh, I don't know how many knockdowns he had on the night. And, and he had played with good effort, too. He was always looking for extra block, going downfield, working up to the second level. Um, you know, he did everything that you want to see. So, again, hard to evaluate uh, guys like that sometimes when they're playing against a... He was like the mountain
1: in Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly.
4: So, uh, but he, he uh, dominated like you want to see a guy dominate.
1: And you're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show. Now, is he going to come in for any games, or has he basically shut down any regular season visits at this point?
4: Well, that was the best thing about uh, being able to go up there, not only being able to see him play in person, but actually interview him because he's pretty much shut down all interviews, and he's been laser-focused on his senior season. Um, and following the game, we, we were able to talk to him, and he you know uh, released his top four schools. And he said that he's not planning on taking any visits during the season uh, but he will take, you know, four official visits to his top four schools uh, following the year. And, you know, this is a kid that's seen a lot of college football. He's taken a lot of visits. Obviously, he's he's gone and watched his older brothers play. Um, so he's not he's not the type of kid that's going to be wowed by the atmosphere or facilities or anything like that. He said uh, his main goal right now is is to really hone in on his relationship with his offensive line coach, the head coach, and the, the current players, as well as those incoming recruits in his class and and that's what he's really going to be looking forward to to doing during his four official visits after his season's over with
1: and Nate this weekend it's an 11 a.m game so obviously it's not going to be a big recruiting opportunity I think Jack Stoll the commit of tight end will be really the only true official right now but number of in-state kids um, anything new on the in-state radar to watch
4: well, one new visitor in state wise that will be on the sidelines uh, prior to the game against Northwestern is uh, Omaha Central defensive end, defensive tackle Elijah Wilson, who's currently committed to South Dakota State. And he's an interesting prospect. You know, we were able to watch him uh, perform at Nebraska's uh, big, big Men Camp uh, this past June. And I uh, was, an, you know, a very uh, intriguing guy, you know, whether the, I think the biggest question at that point in time was, OK, does he does he uh, is he big enough, long enough? Uh, to to remain a defensive end, or does he bulk up and, and kind of slide inside to be? He's beat? a three technique, yeah, in my opinion. Exactly. So, uh, But at, the, at that time, I think that was the main question. I think Nebraska kind of wanted to, to keep an eye on him and evaluate him during the senior season, and uh, he ended up making an early commitment to South Dakota State. But obviously, Nebraska has taken another look at the film. They like what they see, uh, and they're bringing him in uh, this weekend. And they've been very selective with the in-state targets as far as who they invite to the games and
1: it's not just uh
4: it's not a free-for-all they're not sending out 50 60 invites to you know in state guys they're being very selective and they watch
1: the film on each of these guys it, it's not like who your dad is or who your coach is it doesn't matter
4: anymore it doesn't yeah it doesn't matter they they're doing their evaluations they're doing their due diligence and um you know like it or not they're being selective and and you know i think that's a good thing uh because in the past i think you know when you're inviting 50 you know different kids from around the state in each weekend uh you know i think you can maybe send the wrong message at times because a lot of those kids didn't even end up getting you know offered to to walk on you know but they visited each and every weekend instead of going to other schools and taking other visits uh, they spent their time going to to Lincoln and never even got asked to walk on so I think if if you're getting an invite from this staff uh, you at least know that you're on the radar uh, to get you know walk-on position and brief
1: and briefly Nate Noah Fant was here a couple weeks ago has anything developed with that or has Nebraska kind of just not cool, but are they just kind of sitting back? I mean, do you think Nebraska's still pursuing him hard?
4: My take on that is nebraska is is pursuing him very hard. And I think they're working the that tight end angle uh, more so than they did in the past. And I think that's intriguing to know a fan. So uh, you know, my read again, is that they're they're coming after him hard and and trying to make one last push uh, in order to keep him in state.
1: You're listening here to the Husker online show. Nate, uh, lastly, Michigan State game will be a big recruiting weekend. Um, just. 30 seconds or less, some early thoughts on that weekend and how it's maybe shaping up.
4: Yeah, that's going to be, you know, the major recruiting weekend uh, of the year, quite possibly. At this point in time, you've got uh, six or seven guys already saying they're going to come in, uh, and, and I expect at least a handful more to, to come in for that weekend. Um, watch for some new names like Rivals 250 wide receiver Desmond Fitzpatrick, who's committed to Louisville. Uh, Kingston Davis is a running back that's committed to Michigan. There's going to be a lot of commits uh, to other programs. Programs that are going to end up visiting that weekend. That could be huge for Nebraska.
1: Well, make sure you stay on Husker Online as we'll have full coverage this weekend of the Northwestern game as well as any recruiting storylines that develop out of here.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.